Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man with plans for the future. I guess they're futuristic plans. Here is the captain. Yeah, call me Captain McFly. It's good to be seen. It's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we are casually sipping on Gray Monday. That's right. You can kick those Monday blues with Gray Monday. This is an imperial stout featuring Oregon-grown hazelnuts. Toasty and nutty flavors play off bold yet smooth complexity in this bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout garage grade. Four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And let's give some praise and thank you to our friends that helped us out with this week's beer run. First up, a big cheers and a Ron Swanson please and thank you goes out to Mark from London, London, United Kingdom. And a big shout out to Fiona and Kildare, Ireland. Here's a cheers to Don in San Diego, California. Stay classy. And a big shout out to Margaret in Lansing, Michigan. Next up, we have a cheers to Jolene in Omaha, Nebraska. And last but certainly not least, we have Traeger in Northern Alaska. Everyone we just mentioned went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and they helped us out with this week's beer fun. Yeah, B-W-E-W-R-U-N, beer run. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Jolene donated to the beer fun and she's cooler than you are. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. A 
Immediately after the arrest of 17-year-old Joseph Clark and the rescue of 13-year-old Thaddeus Phillips, we have Joe in jail waiting to be charged. We have Thad in the hospital undergoing multiple surgeries. And as far as what was being released to the public early on, there were just mostly small details coming from Thad's father, Don, as he answered reporters' questions while pretty much living at the hospital for days while doctors and nurses worked to repair his boy. Don told reporters that neither he nor Thad knew the boy, Joe Clark, prior to this incident. So we can rule out any kind of personal motive for the abduction and the harm caused to Thad. Don told reporters that Thad's captor brutalized and tortured the boy in the form of beatings that involved Joe choking, punching, as well as twisting the boy's ankles and legs and jumping up and down on Thad's legs. According to Don, Joe told Thad that he had kidnapped the boy because he liked busting people's bones and that he had done this type of thing before to other victims. Now, all kinds of interesting details will come out at the trial, but the trial won't take place until the second half of 1996. Right now on our timeline, we are in the early part of August 1995. So almost exactly 26 years ago to this day. But before we get to the trial, let's talk more about this arrest. Because Joe, after he is arrested, he actually confesses to the police. Well, sort of. So he admits that he brought Thad to his house, but says it was for the purposes of just hanging out. He tells detectives that he does not remember assaulting Thad. Joe says he, and this is his words, quote, blinked out for a while. And when he came to, Thad was lying on the floor, belly aching about his legs. Joe says he thought Thad would eventually die from the injuries. So the way I take it is this. His general statement is he does not know how the 13-year-old Thad received these injuries. Thad tells Joe that he did that to Thad. And Joe says he tried to help the kid. But again, did think that Thad would eventually die from these injuries. So he says he tried to help Thad. But at the same time, it doesn't look like he was willing to let him go. Yeah, but if you're inviting somebody over to hang out, quote-unquote, like Joe's saying, you don't abduct them from their house. And then on top of that, this blink out, mm-hmm. you blinked out for 43 hours as you tortured this kid? Joe Clark sounds like an animal. Well, a monster, really. I mean, to call him an animal is disrespectful to our our friends, the animals. <laughs> animals. But... No, of course, what you're going to have here, Captain, is you're going to get two very different stories. And, of course, Joe is going to have to admit to something because they find the victim in his home. Yeah. It's a little hard to say, hey, I didn't at least do something or have some part in this. And so we've seen this. It's very typical behavior of any of the other psychopaths or psychopathic killers that we have talked about in the past where often they will admit to some stuff, especially if they're backed into a corner. And that's exactly what we have here. Joe Clark is basically caught red handed. 
mm-hmm. with his victim inside his residence. And you're going to get a very different story from Thad who says, look, I didn't go over to this dude's house. I don't know who this guy is. I didn't have shoes. Right. He says, I woke up and this guy was carrying me into his home. And when we got there, Joe kind of relaxes Thad by telling him, hey, I brought you over here because I'm having a little party. And, you know, here's some people that are going to be coming over in a little bit. And Thad actually says that that Joe referenced at least one or two names of people that he knew. So in that moment, he was still kind of like, you know, just woke up really kind of confused as to what was going on. But when this guy says a name or two of people that he knows, he thought, well, okay, well, maybe that is what's happening. Let's keep in mind. He's only 13. You can trick 13 year olds. Adults can be tricked very easily sometimes as well. So, Mm -hmm. It's I was tricked into doing a podcast once. About 530 times. Yeah. So it's not until later, you know, Wait, after some. Br- I, want, I want to stay on something because you were saying Thad says, well, I came to as Joe's bringing me into his house. Do you think that he was just asleep or do you think that maybe he used some kind of, you know, gas on the rag trick no this guy went into the phillips home and carried the boy out and carried him to his residence Wow! in fact when he first started to wake up thad said that he thought that he assumed it was his father carrying him Mm. because his you know his father had carried him dozens of times to bed in the middle of the night when thad fell asleep on the couch or on the floor watching tv and so at first he's like kind of waking up and not really knowing what's going on and just kind of assuming it's his father carrying him off to bed. And then at some point he realizes, hey, I'm outside of my house and I don't know who this guy is that's carrying me. So is he just carrying him from house to house or is he transporting him with a vehicle? No, he carried him from from wow. Thad Phillips' house to his house. And again, we know that there was some torture that was going on. We will know that and learn that later because they're not very specific about the injuries early on, and it's not fully understood that all of these injuries took place over the course of hours. You know, the way that Don says it to the reporters almost makes it sound like it's some kind of blitz attack that that took place all at one time. Mm -hmm. But we have Joe, who was basically caught red-handed. He's saying, look, I, yeah... I took this boy with the purposes of hanging out and I don't know what happened. I, I, his words again, I blinked out. And then when I came out of this blinked out phase, I looked down and this kid's on the floor and he's crying and screaming about his legs. So of course, two very differing stories. Now, when we talk about Thad's injuries, there was mentioned that he was probably going to die from those injuries. We have that statement from Joe Clark, who says to police, yeah, when I saw the state that he was in, I believed he would eventually die from whatever happened to him from those injuries. Well, Mm. let's back that information up because we have doctors that later told Thad and Thad's family that, in fact, he was only hours away from dying from internal bleeding. Wow. In fact, the medical professionals said that the only time that they see people as severely injured as Thad was when he was brought into the ER 
is when they get people rushed in from really bad car accidents. Mm. Because as you pointed out in yesterday's episode, Captain, the femur bone is very difficult to break. It takes a lot of pounds of pressure to break the ankles. You know, these are difficult injuries and severe injuries. And you were basically saying that both ankles were broken and and both femurs were broken? One femur broke, and remember we have uh, the doctor saying that they put pins in one leg and a rod in the other. So my guess here, again, not a doctor, still working on that degree. But um, Played one on TV once. The pins were probably for one of the ankles, and the rod, my guess, would be for the femur. Mm. Now, we talked about Joe admitting to some of what he had done to police detectives, but another thing of interest is something that Thad tells detectives. He says at one point, when he was able to talk, because you had asked earlier about this girl, whoever this girl was. And later we find out that the girl that Thad saw was Joe's girlfriend or somebody he was dating at the time. Did you find this when researching this case? Did you find that like I, I constantly had to keep reminding myself that Joe Clark, Joseph Clark is 17 at the time. I, I had to keep reminding myself that it, it's not an adult abducting a teenager or abducting a kid. This is a teenager abducting a teenager. And then just to think about, he has to throw this kid over his shoulders. Said he down. carried, um, Thad said that, the, that Joe carried him like a baby. Doesn't even throw him over the shoulders. That would be easier to carry. I hope nobody's throwing a baby over their shoulders, but carried him like a baby. I'm guessing in in two arms in front of him. No, that's what I'm saying. Like it would be easier to you know throw him over your shoulders and carry him, carry him like a baby. That takes some strength. And is is Joe on some kind of drugs? Like maybe if he was on like cocaine or speed or some steroid or something, but to grab the foot and twist until it pops that that takes some strength adrenaline's a hell of a drug my friend that's true too okay so but back to the idea that reminding myself constantly that joe clark is 17 where's his parents well that's part of the reason why this went down when it did his parents were out of town mm and so um, the you mentioned that you thought or wondered if maybe this girlfriend or whomever this girl was, if she would have, maybe she didn't see Thad, but maybe she would have heard him. We have Thad telling us that for portions of this time, especially when the assaults are taking place, that's that's what's interesting to me too, is that Thad says that this was not just one attack one big brutal attack this was he would he would beat this kid and jump on his legs and twist his ankles and then hours would go by with with no no attack no brutality well he had to rest and then he would go back at it eventually but what thad would tell us is that for most of the time when he's being attacked joe is shoving a towel into the boy's mouth to muffle his screams and his yells 
Mm. And as we said, the parents were out of town. And it sounds to me from the very brief descriptions that I've been able to review from Thad's words of what happened and took place during the 43 hours that he was held captive by Joe Clark, that that girl, the girlfriend or whomever she was, never entered the home as far as Thad was aware. So do we know who this girl was? Well, police know who she is. Right. Um, we don't need to know who she is because she wasn't involved in any of the the crimes that were committed. We don't know if it was a relative or not. I believe I have reason to believe that it was a girlfriend or somebody that okay. that he was dating, that Joe Clark was dating. Yeah. So Thad tells detectives that at one of the points which he, you know, the towel's not jammed down his his mouth that he's able to talk, he actually asked Joe why he was doing this to him. And that's when Joe said that he liked busting up bones. And added that he had a fascination with breaking bones and the sound of breaking bones. And he told Thad that he had done this twice before. And Joe asked Thad if he knew a boy named Chris Steiner. And Thad said he did not. So this is really interesting because not only is Thad able to tell police detectives that this guy's saying he's done this before, this guy specifically asked me, about a specific person, Chris Steiner. Mm -hmm. Now, Thad doesn't know Joe Clark, his abductor, and he doesn't know this name, Chris Steiner, but he remembered the name Chris Steiner. And and so throughout that ordeal, at some point, basically, according to Thad's story, is that Joe did this same type of thing to a boy named Chris Steiner and some other kid. So police armed with this information, and again, remember, the Sheriff's Department was already suspicious of Chris's death, Chris Steiner's death. So they decide to exhume Chris's body, and they find that his legs had very similar injuries and breaks to them. And like one prosecutor later would say, you don't break your legs like that drowning in the river. Right. So now Joe is going to be charged with attempted murder, physical abuse of a child, mayhem, causing mental harm to a child, and child enticement. These are the Sock County charges for the Thad Phillips attack. Interesting that they don't charge him with kidnapping in that list of charges. Yeah. If you go and you find, uh, you know, the short version of this story, the summarized version of the story, they'll say that he was convicted of attempted murder and kidnapping, the actual charge was child enticement, which does make sense because according to the victim, at some point he wakes up and he's told, Hey, there's going, we're going to hang out and there's going to be a party. And, and the victim agrees to go along with it, or at least is being polite and willing to, you know, chill for a moment. Right. But soon after these charges are leveled against 17 year old, Joseph Clark, the neighboring county of Columbia will be looking to charge old Joe with first degree murder for the Chris Steiner case. It was agreed that Sock County, that the Sock County case for victim Thaddeus Phillips would go to trial first. And we already said that it would be a little over a year before that trial would start. Now, the reason for the delay is due to several things going on in this case. 
First, we have a victim, Thad, that requires extended hospitalization, Mm -hmm. several surgeries, and don't forget that has rehabilitation that comes with all of that. Right. Also, we have the defense because after changing the plea a couple of times, Joe's defense settles on a plea of not guilty by reason of mental defect. Mental defect. What's his defect? Well, that see, he, this is kind of a smart move, in my opinion. He's a piece of shit. For, right, yeah. <laughs> the mental defect is his brain is a piece of shit. That's when the prosecutor should remind the jury that, that prisons are full of p- pieces of shit. shit. That's yeah. where they go. But uh, I think this is an interesting angle for the defense and probably a smart move because, look, to us regular guys in the garage, if I told you there's some dude out there that enjoys breaking people's bones with his hands and by jumping on them, Mm -hmm. aren't we all going to kind of assume he's mentally deficient in some way? Right. That boy is nuts. Well, let me go through some of the reasons why they claim that he would be not guilty by reason of mental defect. First, we do have his statement to the detectives when he's arrested right away saying, yeah, I, I don't deny that, uh, that this kid was at my house, but I blinked out for, for a moment and I don't know why. And I don't know what happened during that time. But when I come to, he's, he's clearly in severe pain and injured. So he's not necessarily denying that he harmed the kid. He's just saying that he doesn't understand what happened. So that does fall into the realm of of that defense, one. Mm-hmm. And then two, you have Joseph Clark's parents that come to his defense. And what their defense of their son is that, look, we do believe that he had some mental issues that he possibly could have been insane at the time, as far as the way the legal system would view it, insane at the time of this attack or the abduction. So you decide to go on vacation. Well, our boy, he's insane. So we're going to go, we're going to go on vacation. Right. Again, but it doesn't, for that defense to hold up in court, often it doesn't need to be the guy is, obviously insane for months years or decades sometimes it can be as simple as during the course of that actual attack right now again we never but i'm with i'm with you if you think that there's already some problems or some issues with your your 17 year old son maybe don't leave him alone at the house while you go off on some vacation or business trip or whatever it was i still wish they would have drug tested Joe Clark once they arrested him to see if there was anything in his system. Oh, I bet you there probably was something in his system yeah, because alcohol, marijuana. Well, yeah, because he's coming back at just before midnight and he was he was off partying. He was out on on a date with this girl or going about out on the evening with this girl and they were stopping off at different parties. Well, he looks like a dope. So they like. couldn't find him because they, they you know, they're dope. out looking for him. But they all, I think they actively stopped off at at least one or two teenage parties looking for Joe and didn't find him and left very smartly, left a couple of unmarked cars near the home in case he would return. And that's how they end up picking him up. 
Well, it would also be great if law enforcement would get a bunch of officers with their billy clubs and they go into a cell and they just blink out for a while. Don't and, know what happened. Unless this guy really does have some mental issues and now you're just brutalizing a handicapped individual. No, you're you're brutalizing a murderer. Well, you know, whether you have a deficiency or not, you are still a murderer. Correct. Correct. But we you do understand our society yeah, no, has I, yeah. has ways of of handling these types of situations. Yeah, but that wouldn't be that much fun if I say I I hope they handle this correctly. It's a little more fun if you think outside the box. You know, back to the killer clowns that show up and uh, interrogate people and kick them in the nuts. That's still a good idea. So some of the reasons why Joe Clark's parents say that uh, he should be looked at in this regard, uh, not guilty by reasons of mental defect, is Joseph Clark was not their biological son. They adopted him at a very young age. And according to his adopted parents, when they adopted Joe, his his biological mother was a drug addict that was shooting up during the pregnancy. Mm. And they had uh, evidence of such. The other thing that they called into question, too, and said that when they started to see a noticeable difference in their son was after Joe was involved in a 1993 motorcycle accident. He received a pretty severe head injury from that. And what his defense will state at the first trial, at the trial in Sauk County, is that after this motorcycle accident and this head injury, that Joe was experiencing hallucinations and he was blacking out and had a lot of uh, different kinds of difficulty after that motorcycle incident. Now, what the prosecution would point out is that Joe Clark had a history of violence before this 1993 motorcycle accident. And they trace this back to a 1992 death threat that Joseph Clark made to one of his teachers, one of his high school teachers. And this wasn't just something where you can go, oh, well, I was just goofing around. You know, kids say dumb stuff. Right. We say dumb stuff here in the garage. Noted. And it's not one of these, you know, I can look at a lot of things that, that kids get sometimes even charged with and go, yeah. you know, did could we could we do something different here this person's this person's a kid and they really weren't doing this to be malicious they were doing it cuz they're a dumb kid but in this situation captain it's not something as simple as oh he was just goofing around this death threat came directly at the teacher by way of Joseph Clark calling them at their home and threatening their life so a pretty serious death threat in my opinion and there was also several witnesses that testified and school records that would back this up that Joseph Clark was a bully, that he bullied a lot of kids at school and was known for bullying and getting into a lot of fights. So they can say that this 1993 motorcycle accident changed Joseph Clark. However, he had a history of violence before the motorcycle accident even took place. 
Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. 
With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code TrueCrimeGarage50 at Factormeals.com slash TrueCrimeGarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right. Welcome back. Thanks, thanks for being our friends. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for letting us when be nobody your else would. You all, were there. All we wanted to do was be your friend and whisper in your ear. Okay, cheers to everybody, everybody in the back. So, okay, a good, good defense here, though. It make it makes sense. Violence before, and then the parents are look. The violence before the adopted parents are trying to. Their reason, they had reasons to reason with that. Mm-hmm. They were hoping he turned around. Look, there might have been some, like you said, some violence before or some serious threats before. But we've seen this in the past where people have serious he- head injuries and they become a whole different person. Yes. And it seems like. Maybe he wasn't going to act on any of these things before, but maybe this head injury had something to do with it. Um, It was kind of the the chicken or the egg, right? Well, and we said, Captain, that Joseph Clark's adopted parents went to his defense and added to reasons why that might be a good defense to bring forward in in the Thad case. Mm -hmm. But let's keep in mind, we're going to have two separate trials here. Right. And so his parents were completely outraged and very vocal publicly about this outrage when he was charged with first degree murder in Columbia County, which would be the Chris Steiner case. So Clark's adoptive parents are Ron and Bertha Clark. They maintain the innocence of their adopted son as television cameras closed in on them. This was after a court appearance. And they stated in regards to the new charges of first degree murder in Columbia County, they said that's the charges they wanted to bring in the first place. I I want everybody to kind of think, keep that in mind because we're going to kind of circle back to that later as we get some more information quote, that's the charges they wanted to bring in the first place said Ron Clark. Thad Phillips was just a way to get there. What? Meaning they wanted to charge Joe 
with something against Chris Steiner All before along. Thad Phillips case even happened. Mm. And that's the, the words of the father. That's the charges they wanted to bring in the first place, said Ron Clark. Thad Phillips, the new victim, was just a way to get there. So basically, he's kind of calling out the sheriff's department saying, you know, they wanted to do this to my son all to, all along. Now they got this Thad Phillips kid in this story. And my son's not denying that he didn't harm Thad Phillips. But what the father's basically saying is he had nothing to do with the Chris Steiner case. That Joe had nothing to do with the Chris Steiner case. And Thad Phillips, this victim in this trial, is the way that the sheriff's department, the prosecutors get to charge him with first degree murder. This is, this is the most, so listen, dumbass thing I've heard. The Clarks did not dispute their son's involvement in Phillips injuries, but they denied that it was torture quote. What we're talking about is two kids who got in a fight said Ron Clark. What are you talking about? I look, I, I'm all for coming to the defense of your child, but at some point you got to wake up and smell the roses, man. This, this dumb son of a bitch should be thrown in jail for the rest of his life. If he thinks that way, he's believing what his son is telling him. I'm sure his son is selling him a big plate of horse shit and it sounds like Mm -hmm. he's he's gobbling it it up. Yeah. One bite at a time. Hold on a second though, too. And he's asking for seconds. (laughs) What we're talking about is two kids who got in a fight. Your son is 17 years old. This boy is found with 13, 13. Yeah. His legs are broken in four different places. Mm. And this 13 year old is listed to be between four foot 10 and five foot tall, about a hundred pounds. And he's found in your, basically your adult son's, uh, you He's know, held, at your house. He was held hostage for 43 hours. That's a really long fight. Not only held hostage, but Joseph Clark's own words to the detectives were, yeah, I believed that he would die from those injuries. Yeah. And at no point does he try to like call for help. Even if he, even if he says, I don't know how this happened to this kid. Right. He doesn't try to call for help. He doesn't offer him any help. Instead, what he does is he locks him in a closet upstairs, knowing that the boy's legs are broken, thinking, you know what? He'll probably die in this closet from his injuries eventually, or he can't escape because one, I've locked him in the closet. And two, even if he gets out of here, he can't use his legs to take him anywhere. Ron and Bertha, wake up, wake up, right? And and here's my my big issue there. One, the detectives could let you know we couldn't connect. We could not connect Chris to your son, Joe. But when when the boys were just having a fight, aka when your adopted son was torturing the shit out of this 13-year-old boy, he mentioned this other victim. And then when we go back and look at the injuries, oh, guess what? They just happened to be the same. So did those boys just happen to get in a fight too? But guess what? Ron, Dick Face, if that is your last name, if your son, Joe, got in a fight with Chris 
and broke his legs and then threw him in the water and he died from drowning, that's called murder. No other way around it. Well, and if we hear that's what they wanted the charges to be in the first place, Lock then there's, there's other things going on there. And we said that about Chris Steiner's case, that there seems to have been more that they weren't telling the media. And in fact, I saw statements where I think they were purposely misleading on what information they were putting out because I think they suspected foul play in Chris Steiner's death after they couldn't find a find a party spot along the river. Plus they already knew they say they exhumed his body and discovered that his legs were broken. They knew that before they buried him the first time. Yeah. And so what we're going to learn here, Captain, is a bunch of interesting stuff that comes out at the first trial. What we learned at the first trial, the attack on Thad, is that on July 29th, Joseph Clark's parents are out of town, and this is when he broke into the home of Thad Phillips and abducted him while he was asleep. Apparently, one thing that comes out at trial is that Joe saw Thad playing outside in the yard earlier over the course of that day. And it is believed that that is when he may have decided to target Thad. And again, we pointed out that Thad woke up and he's then attacked afterwards. And, um, he, Thad says that he made a good attempt to escape multiple times, but was caught by Joseph Clark. And this would only anger Clark and he would, you know, attack him and beat him more as punishment for trying to get away. And it was only at the point where Joe Clark wanted to go out with his friends and decided, Hey, I'm going to lock him in this closet. And Thad finds a guitar inside the closet. And after he's pretty sure that Joseph Clark is gone, he uses the guitar to beat down the door because the door's locked from the outside. I thought you were going to say, you know, Thad finds the guitar in the closet, and once he learns how to play Wonderwall, then he decides to break out of the closet. He breaks out of the closet, and he has to throw himself down a flight of stairs because he can't walk. And when he's, he's down at the bottom of the stairs, he actually blacks out from the pain, and he's not certain how long he's out for. But when he comes to, he's able to make it to a phone and he says, thank God it was one of those phones with the long cord. You know, it's hanging up on the wall. He can't stand. Right. He said, thank God it was one of those phones with the long cord. He pulls the cord to get the phone, the handset down. And again, another stroke of luck, the buttons are on the handset and not on the, not on the base that's attached to the wall. So it was only then that he's able to make this 911 call. And what he tells uh, the jury at this trial is that, you know, not only did Clark stuff the towel in his mouth uh, when he would beat him, but he was jumping up and down on the kid's legs, jumping up and down as hard as he could. At some point, uh, getting a running start and jumping up in the air and coming down with his knees onto the boy's legs. I mean, this is kidnapping. This is torture. Well, it's going to get this worse is, than that. This is uh, attempted murder. And it, it's so, again, th- there's all these things, you know, maybe the universe was working in his favor that day where, oh, you're locked in this closet. But 
just so happens to be something on the way out or something there to help you get out. And now you're going to have something in this universe is going to give you the power to get yourself downstairs. And yes, you black out, but something woke you up before Joe comes back. And you see what I'm saying? There's so many things that it's like the universe didn't want Thad to die. Now, during this 43-hour period of being abducted, some other very, very strange things went on, according to trial testimony. One being braces. At one point, Joe put braces on Thad's legs and forced him to walk with the broken legs. And at another point, he would put brand new socks you know, like the the tall, long tube socks. The uh, He had brand new white ones, like dozens of pairs of these brand new white socks mm-hmm. that he was putting on the boy's feet, over the boy's feet and legs. Right. Another weird thing, too, and this is probably something that maybe Thad's parents and the sheriff's department knew about very quickly, was that not only did Joe take Thad from Thad's home, but he, he also stole a few pairs of Thad's socks from the house as well. That's so he could sniff them. Well, we pointed out in yesterday's show at the top of, of the show that we were going to be discussing a sexual sadist. And they get their pleasure from administering torture and seeing the pain that they're causing an individual. And we talked about how in some cases that the offender will even revive, even perform CPR on some victims to revive them so that they can punish them and torture them more because a unconscious or dead victim does not give them the gratification that they are seeking. Right. And I've heard some sick stuff before, but flicky flicky because you like breaking bones. It's very, very strange. Yeah, at one point during this situation, Thad says that Joe masturbated in front of him. So that should, if anybody's out there questioning this sexual sadist, that I think would offer you all the proof that you need. The other weird thing, too, is that when they searched the home in Joseph's room, they found a notebook that is described at this trial as a hit list. And it had 29 names. 29 people were listed in this hit list, and they fell into two different categories. Mm. One was get to now, and the other category was can wait. Mm. Now, Thad Phillips' name was not in either category, Uh, because Joseph Clark didn't know who he was. It sounds like he had an opportunity, saw a boy out playing by himself, and thought, yeah, I I might be able to sneak into that house and take that kid tonight while my parents are gone. Because again, as we pointed out during the trailer, the torture is the reason for any of the other crimes at all. And so this, a torture takes, has to take place in, in in a location where you have privacy to do these types of things and where you can control the situation but i think his joe clark's thought was when he saw his feet well was boner city 
Well, on that hit list, uh, next to some of the names said the leg thing. Like this was a thing that he enjoys mm-hmm. and a thing that he intended to do to some of these people that fell into one of two categories. Get to now, which I'm assuming means uh-huh. abduct Can't them wait. and hurt them and kill them as soon as possible and can wait are people that, hey, maybe I need to do a little more reconnaissance on because we know that if he was involved in Chris Steiner's abduction and murder, mm-hmm. that he probably had some general information about, oh, well, the brother is sleeping at somebody else's house, knows how to get to Chris Steiner's room. I wonder if Chris Steiner had missing socks as well from that house, because what we do see is that Chris Steiner's name did fall into one of those two categories on that quote unquote hit list that was found in the notebook in Joseph Clark's room. Yeah. The other thing that we learn, this is at the second trial. Okay. This is the second trial where it's the first degree murder charges for the death of Chris Steiner. We learn that Steiner's parents told what was left out from the media version of the day before events of when Chris went missing right? was that he hung out with a local boy the day before. And who was it? Oh, it was Joseph Clark. The two knew each other. They were friends. So very likely if those muddy footprints did exist, it was Joseph Clark going into their home in the middle of the night. And he may not have had to carry the 14 year old out of there that night. He may have been able to wake him up and say, Hey, why don't you come outside with me for a little bit? Why don't we go hang out for a little bit? But a fetish like this, I mean, there has to be some serious trauma. And I'd really like to see those psychology reports on on Joseph Clark. Could be. I I don't know. Um, We often look at these situations and ask ourselves why. Were there any red flags? How can we identify this before it happens to somebody else? And it's really the answer is all over the shop. You do see severe abuse in some of these people that grow up to do these type of things. And other times you see people with perfect childhoods, right? Um, you know, it's very difficult to explain why one person is sexually attracted to, or, or sexually excited by something. And another person is not. And another person might be sexually excited by something completely different. It's very it's very difficult to understand why that is. Again, we're all very unique individuals with with different tastes, different likes, and, and what have you. Now, as far as the trial goes, the, the first trial was done with and went down in September of 1996. Mm-hmm. This trial is the most important because this trial is basically going to set up what they need for the second trial where they charge him with first degree murder. So at this trial, they have the famous park Dietz plus another psychologist who testify. And both of them testify that Joseph Clark was sane during the time of the attack on Thad Phillips and park Dietz is the one that actively names him as a sexual sadist during the trial. Right. I think the judge might've thrown that portion out regardless Park Dietz said that while on the stand. So Joseph Clark was found to be sane at trial by unanimous decision in 
a deliberation that took only one hour and he would be sentenced weeks later. So he ends up being convicted on all of the charges that we mentioned in Thad's case and sentenced to 110 years in prison. Of course, now we're going to go to Columbia County where Joseph Clark is facing first degree murder charges for the abduction and murder of 14 year old Chris Steiner. At this trial, it's mostly circumstantial evidence that is being presented. There was some interesting things that came out. Uh, Again, most interesting to me, the most interesting statement was that from the parents saying Steiner hung out with Clark the day before. He was found guilty and sentenced to life for the murder of Chris Steiner. He was also successfully sued by Thad Phillips' parents forcing him to pay $21 million in damages. Obviously, he's a, a prisoner of the state. He will never earn $21 million to be able to pay that back. But mm-hmm. um, $21 million in damages gives you some idea of the medical cost involved in the surgeries and rehabilitation and hospitalization of Thad Phillips. There was a 1998 appeal filed by Joseph Clark Um, against his convictions, which was rejected by the district court. Some other weird things in this case here, Captain. Thad Phillips was actually shot at some point by, this was after, after Joseph Clark was sentenced. I'm sorry, after he was found to be guilty. Uh, In October of 1996, on October 8th, Thad Phillips was shot by Michael Hubes, I think is how you say his name. I'm, I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. Hibge. I'll try that. Hibge. That's, I looked it up and that's how they told me to say that last name. It's a difficult last name, obviously for me, maybe not for others, but, uh, this Michael kid shot Thad Phillips on the eighth. And I don't know the outcome of that situation. I know that they wanted to charge this Michael kid with attempted murder, but the defense was that Thad Phillips and some other kid went into Michael's home to beat him up. And that this was more of a self-defense type of situation where, uh, the kid was holding the gun and shot either shot at a door or the gun went off. The result was four wounds uh, to the back shoulder, front shoulder, neck, and cheek of Thad Phillips. But in all fairness, we need to point out that a judge granted a restraining order to keep Thad Phillips and that friend away from this Michael kid and his little brother. So there may be some uh, weight to that, the self-defense claims in that case. If people have heard of this case before, they've probably heard it from the I Survived show that's, uh, is that on Discovery ID, I believe? I believe the it's ID on. The ID channel? I believe it's on A&E. And it's there that if you view that episode, you can see and hear Thad talking about the abduction and the torture that followed and one of the most horrifying lines that Thad says on there is that Joseph Clark grabbed his right ankle with both of his hands and twisted his foot. He felt it break like a quick snapping sound. And when he looked down, 
he could see that the skin around his ankles looked like a twisted up rubber band. Thank you guys so much for joining us here in the garage. If you need more True Crime Garage, and you do need more, I know you need more, go check out Off the Record on Stitcher Premium. You're going to love it. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for this week? This week we are recommending one I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of and probably have already read, but it's a really good one. And long overdue. So we are recommending The Devil in the White City by Eric Lawson. This is a New York Times bestseller about the city of Chicago, the 1893 World's Fair, and Dr. Henry H. Holmes, better known as serial killer H.H. Holmes. Check out this great title and many more recommendations on our recommended page at truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't listen. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.